1: This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody, welcome to this week's edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. My name is Joe Thomas, I am the Everton FC correspondent and I'm here with my colleague and blue, Matt Jones. Matt, how are you doing, UK? Okay?
0: I'm very well, mate, yeah. Uh, it's a shame that everybody else on the Echo Sports Desk podcasting team is. Has cried off after one Merseyside Derby defeat. You know, only me and you are available to do a podcast this afternoon. What's that all about?
1: Yeah, well, this is what happened, isn't it? Another disappointment, that Derby Day defeat. And then, obviously, we're recording this on a Friday and the press conference happened to be on the Thursday, which has complicated things a little bit. But that doesn't mean you can't have a good show, Mm -hmm. albeit we're going to start off in a difficult place because probably unsurprisingly, the first thing I'm going to do is ask you about that Derby. I mean, what were your thoughts on
0: Monday? Yeah, but it was interesting that there seemed to be a lot of confidence going around from those of a blue persuasion on Monday. And listen, of course, that happens after you beat the best team or what was the best team in the land at that point. are going into it. Liverpool don't see a bit of a, a ropey time themselves. But I don't know. I get, I'm just so scarred by what's happened at that place <laughs> so often down the years that I can never really go into a derby feeling totally confident. But the last time, Joe, I went into a match like derby thinking we were going to win it outfield was the cup game when it was Carlo Angelotti I think his third game in charge or fourth game in charge and Liverpool fielded a team full of children that day and Everton still managed to conspire to, to fall to a defeat and I remember coming out of Anfield that day and speaking to one of his friends and saying never again am I going to get excited or predicting Everton win at this place because if it was going to happen it would happen today but no, on the game itself it's I think the first goal kind of sums up perfectly the issue that Everton had at the on Monday, in the sense that, you know, we were just sort of, you know, we'd seen off a bit of an early storm. And I think that they went totally at it. And we had a little flurry. And we, we have set pieces. And we were having, I think, Garner had a volley. We had a couple of set pieces. And we were starting to cause a little bit. And we committed men forward from that corner and on the edge of the box, trying to keep the ball penned in. And as soon as that ball breaks to them, and it obviously bounces off the post, and as soon as we've got men up the top end of the pitch, we're so exposed, aren't we? And, you know, I think. There's been a lot of criticism about the team. I think, just again, you said it, hasn't he, today, about the team being too soft, and I think Sean Dyche said as well in regards to you know, maybe should have taken some fouls and, and the build to both goals, really, and I do agree with that, but whilst we just looked at that that team and the way we're still running back for that first goal, I'm thinking, I'm not sure if some of them could have fouled Darwin Nunes or Sally if they tried. <laughs> and...
1: And that was it. I think, I think there was one point, I think it was it was 2-0 and Liverpool broke for a third. I, I think I saw... It might have been Gay trying to take out Gatpo and he just didn't even have the legs to catch him and foul. And, and it was just so telling, as just to where Everton are at the minute. And I think you know we'll come on to how Everton deal with the loss and what looks like the continued absence of Dominic Calvert. I think that's probably one of my big fears for, for for going forward, just the idea that I don't think Everton have a player who can play up top by themselves and be a consistent threat in a match. And if you're playing two up top to try and find the partnership, that means taking somebody out of the middle of the pitch and exposing them further, which, you know, is... is That's where Everton where already are at their weakest. But I think one of the frustrating things for myself, sitting there at Anfield the other day and watching it was just... And it's the thing that's got me a little bit kind of scared and nervous, which is a lack of fight and a lack of intensity. And I, and I don't know where that went, really, because it was so obvious against... Arsenal. You know, the the great thing about Arsenal was that and outplayed Arsenal. They deserved to win that game. They also outfought Arsenal as well. You know, it, it wasn't a result that was solely dependent on on being more passionate or playing more intensity. They, they won that game with genuine ability. But to see that disappear after ninety minutes concerns me. And I think, I think, I think Leeds will be fascinating in that regard because. Yeah, we've had 180 minutes. We've had two matches with Sean Dyche now. It's going to be interesting to see which is, which is more prevalent. Because I think after after Arsenal, we we're there thinking, right, he's got this team playing with a bit of confidence, a bit of aggressiveness. Um, this is what they can play with when they play with a bit of intensity. And it all just disappeared against Liverpool. And you think, where is that gone? And I just, I think my question going into 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 Leeds tomorrow is almost, what is the normal Everton? Is this just a group of players that can only I don't like to use a word, but it's almost like selfishness because we saw this a couple of times at tail end to fight Lampard with two games in Manchester where it looked like the players really fought for Lampard when he was under most pressure. Have we got a group of players that can only really turn it on and only really go up to fifth gear when, you know, when almost their own positions are on the line? Probably a lot of them like Frank Lampard. They want to see him go. A lot of them had an interest in performing well for Deitch in his first game when he comes in. If they can't continue that for you know, consistently for the rest of the season, you know Everton haven't got the ability within their squad. or anything to stay up unless they fight for ninety minutes for every game. They do that; they've got a chance. But I mean, I mean, surely you must have been disappointed to just see that nature of the performance on Monday.
0: Yeah, it, it, it did feel very Saturday's Lampard in the in that sense. It, it, you know, I don't think you've are saying the players. You know, tossed it off and went trying on Monday night. It, it was far from that. But I think you're right, there's you no know, against Arsenal, there's there a spitefulness and you know, a, a vim and vigour about the way in which, which Everton played. There wasn't always the quality there, but it had that edge to it all the time. And that that's something that you know, it's it's easier to do with Goodison, isn't it? You know, if, if you want to play with Goodison Park and you go and press that centre off and you get applauded by the, the fans and loads of encouragement, you're gonna go and do it again because you've had that positive reinforcement. When you do it in outfield and you get played around by, you know, centre backs and an 18 year old in midfield, you're thinking, I might just have You think, God, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going I'm to keep me shape because I'm just going to lose the ball. So it, it is difficult. And, Yeah, you know, but what, what did annoy me was sort of at the end when uh, there was that off between Pickford and Robertson, and, you know, I big, think big Pickford got booked, and maybe one of, one of our lads got booked as well. And it was a case of, well, if you're going to take cheap bookings, you're going know, to take them when, um you know, the ball were counter attacking through the middle of the pitch to score score those goals. But yeah, and I think I think the, the Goodison Park crowd is always is always going to be a factor in that for us, um, to get the players up for it and get them fighting a little bit more. And I think just in, in general, Joe, you know, for so long now Everton have been horrendous away from home. haven't they? You know, it's, it's it's a chronic issue now. I think they put a start up on during the game, saying that Everton have won three away games in eighteen months in the Premier League. And you know that that is spectacularly bad. And I think there's, there's clearly some kind of mentality issue there with some of these players, and I don't get me wrong, they've not been great at Bark either by by any means. But away from home, they've, they they to plunge to new depths. So I, I don't I don't know what it is. Now I, I'm sitting here as you know as, as a journalist that and a broadcaster. I don't know what goes through elite athletes' minds when all of a sudden they do something at one place and they can't go and do it in another. But but it clearly is a thing. But but yeah, it, it is a little bit worrying. But I I don't think we'll see the same sort of tepid performance on, on Saturday. Um, we might not necessarily have the, the same quality and the same focal points on Saturday, because obviously we haven't got Dominic Lewin leading the line. But I think the players have, have got to be at it. They've got to fight. They've got to press. They've got to do all those, those nasty, horrible things that the team should expect when to, when they come to and Park. Because if the players don't, the fans will, will let them know, they? Um, yeah. it's not, not a way of getting on the case by any means, but a case of saying, you know, this is what we expect from from an Everton team. So I think it'll be it'll be different on Saturday, but yeah, unfortunately, that that's, that's how it's been in Anfield. a lot of away grounds. forever. I mean, I, I can't remember the last time we played well. I can't remember Everton Everson playing well in my lifetime on Anfield with with fans there. Um, so it's one of them. It's I, I, I won't conspire to the the notion there was a free hit like a few people did earlier in the week, but it's one of them where you look at it and go, it's going to take something pretty spectacular for us to go there and, and get a result, given given all the things that have happened both from a footballing point of view um, and just a, a, a wild, chaotic point of view. I mean, even, even Everton and all the ridiculous goals we've conceded at outfield down the years, we found a new way of other, a different type of one, didn't we, on Monday? You know, hitting the post and then 13 seconds later. It's, it's just one of those places where it feels like it's never going to go for us. But, listen, I'm sure we'll all forget about it very quickly if we get the right results of the weekend.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a strange, wasn't it, because on the one hand, Obviously, Everton was so close to taking the lead. if they would taken the lead, with and Liverpool are going through at the moment, and then it plays into Evan's hand. I, I think they—I don't think they'd have lost that game if they'd have taken the lead. But on on the other hand, I also kind of have to concede that that wasn't a game Everton lost by fine margins. I thought Liverpool, as frustrating as it was to watch, comfortably the better side f- throughout that match. Really. Um, well, you're right. But, just,
0: you're right because it, it does. You know, all of a sudden, if that goes in. Well, Koski has that big celebration in front of the away and you know, they you know, I'm sure there would have been a, a come on from the Anfield crowd, but I don't think they were playing especially well at that point. They were they were the better side, they were putting the pressure on, but you know, we've all been there as fans, haven't we? When you're the team on the front foot and then someone comes and scores a and set piece against you and you're not playing particularly well it it does change the game and I think you're right that, that you know, I think if Sean Dice could plot out his ideal forty five minutes to to start off the Anfield, there would have been seeing off that early spell, getting a set piece score and, and digging in and mis- right. it just drops the other side but you know, as much as we were quite close to, to executing that plan relatively well in the same breath it also feels like at the moment that if Everton go behind in a game then what 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 can you do? You know, in terms of what can those lads on the picks do to change things and the answer seems to be not much and then a little bit later on in games what can you do in terms of the lads you're bringing off the bench to potentially impact things and again the answer Unfortunately it feels like it's not much.
1: The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. That's gonna be a big problem going forward, isn't it? I mean, you mentioned Dominic Callew slightly earlier. I mean, how surprised we to see Ellis Sims start as opposed to say Neil Mope or Damari Gray.
0: Not not that surprised, to be honest. You know, we've I've done stuff this week, I saw say in the just just on the basis of the think Dyson's his press conference said, we've got Ellis Sims and Neil Murray to, to call upon and he said Ellis Sims in the same bracket as Murray and maybe his, his name first as well and you know all these little things you look into in press conferences. But I think I think he's probably the closest thing Everton have got to Dominic Carvalho, but in the same breath. I don't think he is anywhere near the same kind of player that the Dominic Carvalhoon is. And maybe people look at Sims sometimes and think, right, you know, big stocky lad, broad shoulders, um, He's going to be able to hold the ball up. He's going to be able to pin defenders. He's going to be able to to muscle people about. Um, and from what we've seen of him, very limited in Everton shirts and what we've certainly seen of him at Blackpool and Sunderland, he's not really that type of player. Granted, he's more that type of player than, than maybe Mope is, but he's, he's not a, a back-to-goal centre-forward. He's someone who has typically played in a front two. Um, maybe he's sort of the more drawn striker. He's someone who thrives off service and he, he picks up bits and pieces in the box and shows himself to be a good finisher. But, listen, it was a massive ask for him, wasn't it? I think he, he won his first year ahead as he, he, he did okay in that sense, I imagine, statistically, I, I'm not up to the figures, but you'll no show he won quite a, a lot of duels, but he was winning those duels, and then the next closest lad in blue near to him was 30, 40 yards away, and and that, that, was, that was the issue he had all night. And you compare how, how he played the role to, to what Dom did against Arsenal, and while Carballoon wasn't always beating Saliba and Gabriel to the board, he was he was making it really awkward for them. And so the ball would drop in uncomfortable positions. You know, we'd get free kicks. So we'd go off throw and stuff like that. And it'd give Emerson a bit of a platform all the time whenever the ball went up there. With Sims, it, it was never quite like that. He was winning the headers and he was going into space. You know, Matt had been going my seemed to, to usher him quite well. But, you know, it's, what what one else is, is the option at the moment? And I think when we were on the plot a few weeks ago, Joe, we saw sort of saying, you know, what would... What would a really good version of Sean Dyche's Everton look like? And we, we were speaking about the, you know, the positive aspects of his, his team's play at Burnley, you know, crosses into the box, you know, direct fast football, and whenever you're we putting those scenarios forward, it was always well, none of this is going to work unless we've got Dominic calvert at the top end of the pitch because he's the only player we've got who can do those things, and and that that's a massive challenge now because Everton don't have anyone remotely like them, do they, in the squad? And we'll finding a way of getting that focal point of getting someone you can. You can knock it wrong too, and bring others into play. Somebody could be a threat from set pieces. Somebody could be a threat from crossing into the box. You know, Everton, Everton just don't have that person. It doesn't really exist without him in the squad, and and that's the issue. Sure, Dice has got because I think actually when when you saw Everton try and play football a little bit more and outfield on, on Monday, try and play mid, through midfield, we just got caught out so many times. You know, like the Corey Garner and and honor a lot of things and have got a lot of positive attributes, but you know, playmakers and getting on the ball and being. Intricate and tight in those areas of playing through the lines, it's, it's not a strength of any of them. And I think if Everton try and play football, that's one problem they're going to have. But in the same breath, if they, play, if they try and knock it wrong to to Alan also or Neil play that's that's another issue they've got. So it does feel a bit like a bit of a catch twenty two at the moment for him.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. Catch twenty two, I think sums up really well. You know, I was on here for Friday for our, our preview show ahead of the derby, and I. I said I'd start Sims for the same reason that, that, that you kind of talked about, not being too surprised by it there. Clearly, he's a very different type of player to Dominic Calvert-Lewin, but it felt like Deitch wants to persevere with the 4-5-1. And if you've got to do that, then Sims is the closest you've got, I think, again, albeit acknowledging that he's a different player. Where the problem that Evan had was obviously against Arsenal, one of their, their biggest attributes, their biggest strengths, was the way that McNeil and Iwobi got forward to support Calvert Lewin. But with Robertson and 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 Trent Alexander Arnold surging forward as they did, they just got pinned back. And as a result of that, you you've got a solid rather than an expansive centre midfield that's you know 15 yards away from Ellis Sims. It doesn't matter if he wins yet; he's got two two centre backs on him and yeah, you know, Allison behind him and. Chessage around him, and, and there's just nothing he can do. So, yeah, you know, I, I don't think we can read too much into Ellis Sims' performance because I think that really he was just isolated and stranded. And yeah, that was just hopefully it was just a case of a bad day at the office for a team that doesn't have a lot of options and you know always finds a way to conspire to be disappointed at Anfield. And hopefully, we can just, you know, as Adrissa Gay says in, in some of his quotes, they just put that in the past and forget about it and, and now move on. but that's where the catch twenty two I think comes into to this for, for Sean Deitch because let's be honest, it's clear that it's clear that Dominic Calvert Lewin isn't going to be able to play a significant part in the probably the next month for Everton, by the way this looks. You know, I asked him after the derby, I was in the the you know, the media room for the press conference, um, following the match at Anfield and and, and I asked him, you know, how close was Dominic Calvert Lewin to being involved in, in this fixture. And he gave me always like a two-pronged answer, and he said that yeah, you know, there were two issues. One is the yeah you know, the, the hamstring issue that seems to be persistent. I don't know if it's the same hamstring issue, which is one of the three problems that kept him out of the Australia tour over November. It might be a different one, but it's clear that this is this is something that that he's struggling to get over. But you know, in the in the next breath, Deitch started talking about trying to get him genuinely fit so that he doesn't carry on breaking down, and and that almost seems to be the crux of it. It's almost like and again, Deitch's comments in Finch Farm yesterday, which we've reported this morning, about almost looking into what car he drives, what food he eats, what mattress he sleeps on. Sounds like they're going to have to rebuild the player. It sounds like they're going to have to go so back to basics that they're going to have to just reconfigure Dominic Calvert-Lewin. And if that's going to be the case, then I don't see a scenario in which he can play a significant part in the next few weeks, because surely the best of it now is taking him at out of action, out of the firing line, out of that pressure and going, right, we'll give you a couple of weeks to try and completely reset and hope that we then have you for maybe the final quarter of the season. But the, the difficult thing that Everton have got is, really, I think I think personally, that, although there's a long way to go in the season, I think we'll know a, a lot about where Everton, about Everton's chances of survival in by this time next month. Because I think the you know Leeds at home, Villa at home, Forest away, Brentford at home, and then there's Arsenal away in between. We'll, we'll dis- It's unfair to discount that. Bearing in mind they just beaten Arsenal and 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 played so well against them, but yeah, I think those four games, each of them has to be seen as winnable for a team that wants to stay in the Premier League, especially with three of them being at home. And yeah, I think Efton probably need eight points from that because I think ever need the points not just to climb out their relegation themselves and keep Leeds in the trouble, but know, yeah, I don't know that. I look at Wolves and West Ham just above Leeds, and I I don't see them as ending up in a relegation battle or realistic contenders to go down. I do see Forrest as somebody that can get dragged into it. I think Palace look like they're struggling a little bit, but Everton need to get the points early enough to be able to put the pressure on them going into the last few months of the season to then make it a fight. And the problem they've got is going to be scoring goals. And... You know, we look at that unit, and I think Everton as a defensive unit is quite formidable. You put those three lads in centre midfield, if if that's how Deitch wants to line up. You know, you we have Dechoure, you, know, you you have Anana, you have a Gay, and then you have Tarkovsky or whoever b- behind them. And we saw against Arsenal that they can be a really effective unit. But the problem that Everton are really going to have now is if they can't play one up top. That means trying to find a partnership. I think for Everton to have any kind of goal threat, they need to find a partnership, probably uh, two of the three from Sims, Mopay, and Damari Gray. They've got to provide a bit more of a goal threat. And then in doing so, that means removing someone from that centre midfield. And as we've already alluded to, and as was so obviously the case against against Liverpool the other night, it's almost like Everton are their weakest when they're trying to play football, when they're trying to move forward because they lose the ball. They just don't seem to find a way to be able to get back and recover themselves. But the only hope of, get, of of improving things going forward is going to be to make themselves weaker in that unit. And that's the catch-22 for Sean Dyche, I think. You know, can he... Seven are going to be a team that's going to say, well, you know what, we'll play two up front and then outscore teams. It's not going to be, well, you score three, we'll score four. But they need to prevent some sort of goal threat. Otherwise, teams are just going to pen them back in. They can't play for nil-nil or, you know... I I mean, they could potentially play for nil-nil and just hope for the old corner and Tarkovsky at the back post every time. I mean, word against Arsenal, nearly word against Liverpool. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool
0: Echo. That feels like the, the you know, we you said what does an Everton goal look, that, that's it, isn't it? That, that's an yeah. Everton goal at the moment. And, so, you know, th- thinking about the, the goals we scored at Goodison since we came back from the the World Cup. Three of them have been from corners. One against Wolves, one against Southampton. And um, obviously the one against Arsenal last week. And the other one was a penalty, wasn't it? Consolation penalty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I think I'm right in saying this. We haven't scored a goal from open play at since, since we we came back from the World Cup. No, I think it? you're actually yeah. that, that that kind of that kinda of shows you you know, and, and the one we scored away from home in the league was Damari Gray, you know, absolute well the Alan opponent at Manchester City, wasn't it? So it, it, it's it's a massive problem and and it has been for, for a long, long time and you know, I think Sean that's what he was saying about um you know, Dominic Carvalu and, and looking into every aspect of his life and how he, you know, his car, his mattress, et cetera, et cetera which said, you know, this has been something that we've all known for, for a long time. And I think I'm right in saying, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but Frank Lampard said that he wasn't even doing shooting practice at one point because they were sort of so concerned about his, his fitness and, you know, they wanted to protect him for games and, and when you've, got, when you've got an asset like that, who have we said on previous pods, become even more important now with the show and Dice because the way Emerson are going to play, you know, you need you need to make sure that you've got insurance for it. You know, it, it'd be like having this this car you you've got you used to get around everywhere to work, to socialise, you know, to pick your kids up, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And not having it insured, you know, it's it, it's absolutely mad, and it feels like again, you no, know, just you know, just to take this back a little bit to what Ellis Sims on Monday, you, you sat there watching him on Monday night toil and toil and toil and you think you know you know if Everton have a good January transfer window this lad's not even here he's, he's at Sunderland getting viable minutes at a level which is better for him playing in a team that would, would cater more towards his strengths and, and instead he's he's outfield chasing lost causes and the ball going 10 yards over his head all the time and you know we, we've known this about Dominic Carvalier for ages and you're right in the sense that we're going into the Speller games now, which is which is so important. You know, Leeds, Villa, uh, Brentford at home, obviously, you know, particularly the, the the big ones at Forest away. And the inverse of those fixtures at the start of the season, we had the same issue, didn't we? You know, we were, playing, we we're playing Anthony Gordon up front for those games, and it's almost like, what have we what do we actually, actually learn here? And and I, I don't know, no we'll be here to talk about what's going to happen on the pitch and the players that are, that are here now and what they can do against Leeds and I'm sure the rest of this podcast but it just feels as though whenever Everton have a game like they did on Monday night where the offer absolutely nothing is in an attack and force but it all roads lead back to, to that January don't they and Everton failing to, to address issues that they, they knew about probably going back to, to last summer it, it would be in brutally honest so yeah, it's usually frustrating, but, but listen, hopefully if we get down with a different car or something like that, then maybe maybe he'll be playing every game between now and the end of the season. Maybe it's as simple as that.
1: That's it. A new, a new bed, a new car seat. Um, How <laughs> did I don't know, get him on a new diet? It would just... anything because he's so crucial to what to needs to do this season, but I think the I just, reality now... Can I just ask
0: you something, Joe, quickly? Just obviously, <laughs> um, just, obviously, has been asked a lot about this, and I've not been able to sort of gauge whether he what he really thinks about it from his answers, but do you, do you get the sense that he is actually a bit annoyed that he's been left in in the lurch a little bit here with the way in which he's got no centre forwards? So he's he's obviously given all the straight bath so far, but it, it must be so frustrating for him.
1: I think I'll uh, go in stages. I think first and foremost, there, there's no way that you can interpret the January transfer window without saying it's an absolute shambles. I can just, I can just, just about countenance an idea where. They thought they'd done enough to be competitive in the summer transfer window and knowing that they had the World Cup break and it, going into the first game of the season or the first week of the season with Dominic Calvert-Lewin looking as good as he did before he broke down, I can just about understand how they thought they'd be okay bearing in mind that they then had January to then go to part two of strength in the side which, which was obviously to try and find support for Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I mean, to have got to Bearing in mind that they knew from the minute he broke down in August and probably from the minute they sold Richardson that they needed another decent striker or to completely revamp their attacking lineup so that they played in a different way, it wasn't so dependent on Dominic calvert Lewin. You know, it was negligence to then get to January and to not sign a single striker. Like, I'm laughing about it, but I still just, I still don't even understand, that, you know, that because they still haven't really given us any answers, you know, and I know people will be. Listening to this and saying, Well, it's your job to get the answers, but they're just a complete clone shop on it and they just don't seem to be willing. Well, I mean, we saw that their accountability over the transfer window stretched to staying silent until they put Sean Dyche, who bore no accountability or responsibility for it whatsoever because he'd only just arrived. He was the first public face that took all the questions on it. And what can he say? He's not going to come out and have a go at his new bosses. But also, no one can have any criticism of him because it's it's not his fault. So, you know, I I think that I don't think he can be too annoyed in the sense that he knew the situation when he when he signed. And and bearing in mind that he was officially Everton boss on the Monday, you know, two o'clock on the Monday, and you know, the transfer window closed eleven o'clock on the Tuesday. He must have known that there was a chance that they didn't get anybody. You know, no matter how. No matter, no matter how strongly he might have been given assurances that something might happen, I think that he's a sensible and pragmatic manager and, and wouldn't want to buy players for the sake of it. And he must have known that the last 18 hours of the transfer window are the most fraught. So he must have known what he was going into to a certain extent. Where I think the... I think things have changed a little bit. And I wonder if he maybe thought that Dominic Calvert-Lewin's fitness issues were a lot more manageable than they are. And I wonder if he maybe thought that Everton's options were a little bit better than they were. Maybe he hadn't had the chance to see a lot of Mope or, you know, maybe he thought Sims was better than he was. I, I don't know. I, I just, I thought that there was a little bit of a shift in tone at Finch Farm yesterday. And I wasn't there yesterday. Chris Beasley went for us, Bob. So, know, I've spoken to him and, and saw the yeah, the the open section... Responses and and for the first time i felt like almost a bit like the honeymoon period was over like deitch has probably took him till monday and, and that defeat in the manner of the performance the lack of options he's had to kind of realize you know what this squad might have been better than i thought it was but i think there's a i think there's a big difference between improving i think you can improve i think you can get a lot more out of this side than Lampard did and still struggled to be competitive. And I think maybe he's just started to realise the you enormity know, of the task that he's got with the resources that he's got available and realise that, yeah, you know what, I might be able to get an extra 15% out of this team, but we might need an extra 25% to survive comfortably. And now I think it's just started to dawn on him perhaps that, yeah, you know, this is going to be a real fight because... You know, I I just, you know, the, the, uh, Liverpool's defense has been a mess and for a while, and, and Everton just didn't really cause many many problems from from open play, and you know, worst even with Liverpool being a mess, they'll they'll come up against worse defense than that, and they'll come up against a worse defense than that on on Saturday against Leeds, yeah, you like know, I, Leeds can I think Leeds can score goals, but I don't think they're particularly strong at the back, but the question is whether or not Everton have the the weapons to try and exploit that. And I think all of a sudden I think this week he might have had to go back to the drawing board and go, Well, wow, you know what? You know, I have to I almost have to discount Dominic I had to take Dominic Alvaloo and anything we get from him is a bonus for the rest of the season. And we'll do everything that we can to make sure that we can get this player who's obviously a very talented player and Dage and, and has always been very clear, as Lampard was, that Dominic and is doing his very best to get himself in a position where he can help the team as much as possible. So not going to question that for one second but if you take the Dominic Calvert-Loon out of that side then it becomes a lot harder and all of a sudden you know, I, 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 I think that I think he probably thinks that this is a harder job now than he did maybe you know two weeks ago just after he'd taken the job I think that's where Deitch probably is at the minute so I'm not necessarily saying it's an impossible task but I think it might be a harder one than he First was aware of the Royal Blue podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
0: Yeah, and then to only ask because I noticed that sort of shift in tone as well. think you mentioned yesterday in the press conference, thought it was a bit more. You no, know, he, he didn't come across as you know angry about it, but it sort of it sort of felt like there was an undercurrent of you know I, I can't quite believe this when he was being pressed on on some of the answers.
1: Well, only, I think you. Dominic Calverley was a fitness doubt going into the Arsenal game, but the underlying data from training that week suggested that he could last an hour, which he did, and he had a very good hour. And I just wonder if, I just wonder if if Dyche and his team were thinking, right, Dominic Calverley has an hour in him. We've now got to kind of try and work out how to get ninety minutes, or eight, turn turn an hour into eighty five, and that's been his goal. He's thinking, well, if I get an hour out, of Dominic Calvary-Lewin for 15 games this season that's probably enough but instead of he's, he's come out of it uh, you know 10 days or so later after he joins all, you know, a couple of days after the Arsenal match he's looking and going I thought it was going to be a battle to try and get 60 minutes to 85 minutes you've know, getting up from 60 minutes from Dominic Allen to get him to play 80 minutes 85 minutes and now all of a sudden it's gone backwards and it's trying to get him onto the pitch so that he can have an impact and that's a big shift in what in what he has available to him and probably requires a complete mindset because mindset change because it felt like you know that four it was a weird game that Arsenal won because four five one feels like such a simple formation such a simple change but we just hadn't seen it under lampard and and it just felt like it solved so many problems forever and all of a sudden they were so much stronger in the middle of the pitch the fans looked like it could do a job they could uh, they could play as a unit you know, you had a Wobby out wide and McNeil out wide and all of a sudden well, they have got the legs through the running but they've also got the ability that with a target man to help you know, create problems. But all of a sudden, again, that's just undone if you don't have Dominic Calvert-Lewin. And and, and I think this is this is the problem. I have gone on my Twitter today and just started a poll saying, you know, I'm working on the basis now that really, unless Everton just want to play back to the wall for 90 minutes and, 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 and play for set-piece chances, if they want to give opposition teams enough of a... They want to create enough of a threat to worry opposition teams and not just have the ball coming back to them every time they clear it. They probably need to play two up top. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, I'm not saying that that's not going to be an unsuccessful... I'm not saying that's not going to be a successful tactic. I reckon maybe there is a partnership there between Sims, Gray and moped that you can get something out of. But it means experimenting with something completely different at, you know, at this stage in the season at a point where you can't bring in new reinforcement. I mean there's a free transfer market but I, you know, I'm not sure the answers lie there for Everton so it really is going to be an interesting one and I, say, I think Deitch's job has become harder not easier since yeah. he started and I think he probably has an awareness of that
0: it's, it's, not, it's not like small blankets in a cold room isn't it you know if you pull it up over your, your head and shoulders then you're like, oh, going to be cold if you put it and you bar mark, your you had shoulders are going to be cold. You know, if you if you move something in that Everton team, one area is going to be substantially weaker. And, you know, and, say, and,
1: and, and that, you know, I think that's a really good analysis for the summer transfer window. Yeah. You know, Evan had you know, Evan's problems were significant up top at the back end of last season. They were also significant at the back of the you know, when you know, Godfrey and Mina were both out for significant periods. And I think that was where Frank Rampard found himself in, where he, he could almost pay, he could he could pay attention, significant attention to one end or the other. And he was there and he said, well, all of a sudden, Dominic Calvert-Lewin looks really, really good in this preseason. And yeah, I've got Tarkovsky in, Cody came up, and he, yeah, those are the moves that they made. And I can understand how, however, in, in the financial situation that they appear to be in, and with problems all over the pitch to address, the. He went for the back line rather than the forward line to a certain extent, or that was his priority, and it wasn't the wrong decision if if he could only do one. Because you look at the first game of the season, 17 minutes in, Mina and Godfrey both disappear until the essentially until the World Cup break, but the problem is, Dominic Allen's already gone by then, and then you know that that's it. You know, the the fact the Everton neither you had so much forewarning and and failed to either, I don't know, knit a second heart, double the size of that blanket or buy a new duvet or something for that cold room over the four months that then followed, you know, like literally it's incomprehensible to me that everything in that club shouldn't have been pointing towards finding attacking options from the moment that transfer window closed at the end of August, right up until the end of the January transfer window. I mean, that's what four or five months there. How they came away from a situation. How they came away from that situation with you know weaker than when they started with the Gordon sale. Like I still struggle to understand that. And I love and I'm still asking to get answers, and I'd love to get answers because, you know, if I'm honest, I like I don't think it's as you know January was the first back in the January was the first time we started to see kind of external criticism of Kevin Fellwell and what he might be doing. And I just I don't think that's the problem. Too many people I speak to in football, speak too highly of Kevin fell and the problems are too obvious for me to think that it's down to him. It, like, I feel like it, whether it's meddling from people around him, whether it's a lack of money and lack of support, whether it's, you know, I don't know. Obviously, there was, you know, January was a chaotic month for a lot of different, many different reasons. Um, there's just a deeper story there, I think, because I, otherwise I just can't understand. It. I can't comprehend how they failed to to strengthen that area. And I think, you know, it's, Deitch will, didn't create the problem, but he's now got to find the answers. And you know, it's a million dollar question now: How does this Everton fight? fight sorry, how does side find a consistent source of goals? And the answer might be there, but it's clearly not ideal. That, you know, it's back to the drawing board. And on yeah. the 18th of February, in a game which probably, well, we'll see. and a game that's a must not lose game against probably the, the most realistic team that are likely to go down Evans' expense if Everton survive.
0: Yeah, it's. I suppose it's been played at a very similar time to last season, isn't it? When Frank Lampard, I think it was his, third, it was his first Premier League home game at George, wasn't it? Where we had Leeds at home. A... Remember that day, we had Dom and Richardson playing. We had Alan and Donny van Der Beek in midfield. Um, you know, it was, it was one of them where you just... Like, I remember walking off the ground that day and thinking, yeah, everything's going to be all right here. We're going we're gonna to be fine on the wrist foul. And obviously, we were in the end, but it wasn't quite as, as simple and straightforward as that. But... Yeah, Le- Leeds is like a funny side, aren't they? Like, wh- whenever I watched them, even under Jesse Marsh, it always felt like they were, they were in games and they had like something about them and they were energetic. But, like you said, like, they were either very wasteful in front of goal or like they'd make it a, a defensive howler through. You know, I think Melier's a good keeper, but he has got a, a ricket in him, hasn't he? Every now and then, the defence, it seems like they play a different back four every, every week. The midfield's a bit all over the place, but they have got energy and they have got attack and vibrancy. And I think it, in Yonto, so they've got probably one of the, the best young players in, in the league at the moment. So, yeah, it's a weird one. But I think what I would say is that I'm, I'm glad they've not got the new permanent manager in this week. Um, you know, be it um, you Nalir know, Ayola from Rayo Vallecano or Schroeder or, or anyone like that. Because I feel like that would give him a massive bounce there. I yeah. think the fact that they've sort of just been in a state of status this week. They've got the same fellow there who took over the, in the United games. and You know, did quite well in those games. But I think that that can help us a little bit. But you know, it's you you don't look at any game anymore, do you? you don't think, yeah, you know, I, re- I really fancy us there. Certainly, with Dominic Carvalho, and you sort of look at it and think, this is going to be a battle. It's going to be a grind. It's probably going to be a game won by by a moment or a set piece or something like that. But it feels as well as as you know grim as that is. That's probably our best way home in matches at the moment. It is to make them about narrow margins and just hoping that you know. One of our players can put in a great cross from the corner, and one of our big lads at the back in, or, or in this field and get on the end of it. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be fascinating. I, what, what I'm really intrigued about going into this one is whether he looks at that Arsenal game, a large part of that team that day and that performance, and thinks, right, I'm, I'm going to stick with that and just try and get by with Sims or with at the top end of the pitch, to try and fill the hole left by Carvalho, because so much of that team functioned well at Cuddleson Park last time out. Or whether he looks at Monday, and I think he'd be well within his rights to make a few changes on the back of Monday because you know, Jordan Pickford makes a bad mistake, he's obviously not going to get dropped. Um, Connor Cody makes a bad mistake, I don't think he's been at his best recently. And we've obviously got four centre backs on the bench there, one of which Dice knows very well. And um, we've got one, one of those centre backs to play a left back as well, in Ben godfrey who will essentially bring us much needed pace into that back four. He could probably play. On the left-hand side or the right-hand side, I don't think Chambers had his, his best game on Monday. Mikhailenko, I think, has been struggling for a while as well. So, and obviously, what you said about the, the top end of the pitch. So, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if he's going to be loyal to that setup and that team that played so well against Arsenal after you know playing so poorly on Monday, or whether he's going to make a few changes. The one out, I, I think, I'll definitely make. is to get Ben Godfrey into that team somewhere, um, be it a right, probably not centre back, but right back or left back. I think. His tenacity, his pace, just gives us something a, a little bit different. And in a game which feels like it's going to be quite feisty, as it always is with the Leeds, I think he could be a good inclusion for this one somewhere in the team.
1: The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, I think it would be be really interesting to see it. Like I, I mean, looking at that side recently... You know, I, I wonder if if there might be an argument at some point, not necessarily tomorrow, to so almost just just change the back, change change the fullbacks and put you know Godfrey on the left, and you know Nathan Patterson is choose to play in the under twenty ones alongside James Gardner as they continue their recoveries. You know, tonight we're speaking on on Friday, and then you know I, I think Everton will have a boost from Patterson coming back. I think. Um, Obviously, like Coleman a lot, and we we've got a huge amount of respect for him and everything that he's achieved with Everton, and you uh, the way he's fought for the club. But, but you know it's clear that he's in the the back end of his career. You know, God, like I like I almost wonder. If there's there's this part of the argument. Just go Holgate right back, Godfrey left back. Just play four centre backs across it, and just work on that basis because. You know, you you, you first instinct would we say, well, if you're playing centre back, well, traditionally centre backs, then you lose your attacking threat. But Coleman and the kind don't really offer an attacking threat. So at least then they'd offer some defensive stability and a bit more pace at, at, at the back. Um, you know, I think the I think I think it's going to be a fascinating game. I'm worried because Leeds have got goals in them, and I know they didn't score against uh, Manchester United last weekend, but yeah, you know, they very easily could have come away. I watched that game. You couldn't watch the game before, but they obviously tuned up at Old Trafford. The game before, very easily could have come away with six points from those two games, and then that really would be in trouble. I think I feel more confident comfortable, comfortable if Jesse Marsh was their manager. I feel like they were so haphazard that I just look at Sean Dyche and I just think he eats up managers like Jesse Marsh for you know slightly naive, attack-minded, you know managers of, of, of teams in the bottom half of the table. I just think that's Sean Dyche's bread and butter. Um, but obviously they haven't got him although they've still got his template so I, you know it helps that they haven't got any manager bounce, and I'm taking a lot of comfort from the fact that their managerial search has become so messy that you you almost hope that it points a bit more instability in the club than perhaps is is necessarily present on the pitch although they haven't been getting the results they have been putting good performances in I worry just that their attacking threat you know that non-tone looks like a a really, really good player. That like, Jorginho Rutter looks like a you know, a lad who's gonna take a while maybe to acclimatize to the Premier League, but looks like he's got a bit of flair about him. And then Somerville as well looks tasty for, for them as well. So we should always more reason, I think, to kind of say change it, the centre backs. I think if it's a tight game, I think that plays into Everton's hands. What Everton can't afford to do tomorrow is for the game to become stretched because they can't Everton, as we've seen them so far, can't attack with any real ruthlessness but the minute they start to go forward with any form of numbers then they could get ripped apart and that's the type of lead side that could get that could tear them apart i think i think everything just need to make it a battle because they can make it a battle and keep their heads then this is a you know leads games tend to be quite feisty anyway but this is a a lead side that you know i think can get riled up can get wound up and and that might be a a way to help, you know, you look at that Winston McKinney, I think he's played twice, been booked twice, Tyler Adams has picked up a fair few bookings as well, this type of game where you almost want Yerry Mina on the pitch, just as a, Yerry Mina and Neil Mope just for their absolute kind of, you know, I'm not going to say the, the, the word on here, but like, you know, they, they'll really just wind them up and just get at them and just cause some problems, perhaps. Um, But I don't know, I just don't know, I see. say, we, we talked about the catch-22 earlier on, and that's it. If you then, if you were to take the Corey, say, out of the centre midfield to send play, you know, mope and Sims up top, for instance, you know, are, are you going to get the attacking gain? Are the attacking gains going to be so much that they outweigh the defensive losses from from doing that? And I, and I don't know the answer. Um, but so I think it's going to be a really, it's a really difficult one to call for Sean Dyche. I think because. Now's the time that he probably needs to start experimenting to try and work out what he can do to to counteract the Dominic Hale, Lewin absence. And he just can't really afford to do that tomorrow. I don't... It, it's not quite must-win territory for me, Leeds, tomorrow, but it's, it's definitely it's definitely must not lose because, you know, I think if if everyone would go four points behind Leeds and Leeds are at home to Southampton next week, which is you're the only club they are in an even bigger mess than... Perhaps Leeds and Everton. You know, if, if if Leeds were to win tomorrow, there's every chance they can then beat Southampton and, and they'd be seven points clear. Everton, then you know, so what? Well, well, they'd be at least four points clear, yeah. and then it's up to them to beat Villa the week after, and, and then that would be problems. But I don't know what. I mean, what would your approach be to tomorrow? Are you going out to win, or are you going out to not lose it? Or
0: I think it's I think every game, and I only got to, you know we've got to try and win. <laughs> I think I, I still look at it thinking we're going to get out of this. I would imagine about 80% of our points would come at and Bark. Just going back to what we said about us was away from home, you know, it's it's been so bad on the road that you, I mean, you've got to look at it like that. But I'm trying, trying to be positive. Like, Forrest have got City having me tomorrow as well. Yes. so if they ever, ever took a win tomorrow and jump out the relegation zone, and hopefully City go and do what they did in midweek again, although they're so inconsistent this season. But City are probably going to go and win. You'd imagine a Forest. You know, we can get three points and get off the relegation zone, and all of a sudden another rival is, is you know even closer to us all of a sudden things look so much different but absolutely you know, I, I would agree with you in the sense that you know I'll be disappointed if we drew, drew the game because it's a team near us in at, at the table called us a but I think it's also part of a, a run of fixtures and it's I think we, between the next six games you've obviously got Chelsea and Arsenal away which are going to be tough but before that we've mentioned the three home games against Leeds Villa. Brentford and then Forest away. I think you've got to be taking set seven, eight points as, a, as a, you know, as you said, for, as a minimum from that. So I think as much as I'm sitting here and saying I want us to win, I'm disappointed that we don't win. If we did lose, then all of a sudden they just put so much pressure on those other games then, and it just it just ramps up and ramps up and ramps up. And whether this squad have got it in them to, to deal with that kind of pressure, and whether us as fans can can sort of stay calm in the circumstances, I think it's not not matter entirely. But yeah, I, 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 I just think we've got to make it about fine margins because that's all yeah. we can do at the moment. Um, We've got to make it tight. We've got to try and sneak something from set pieces. We've got to hope that maybe, I, mean, I don't know who we'll be looking at, and, and to it's it's conjure a run from midfield, we nah. can maybe score all those goals he scored every now and then. <laughs> Apparently, you know, I think I think it's going to be something like that, but I do, I do think we'll do it. I just think we need to have it all over the place at the moment. I think going well, to be... Right up for it.
1: Yes, um, I'll definitely be up for it. When I mean, the, we we saw what the fans were like for Deitch on his first game. I mean, there's there's no way the fans aren't up for it tomorrow, are they? And again, you know, it, it's clear that it's clear that the support base is, is completely capable of ex- being able to express its its frustration and anger at the way the club has run. Separately, to be able to back the team, as we saw that with you know the well attended uh March before the the last home game against Arsenal, which then, you know, they still had a the brilliant, brilliant atmosphere for, you know, for, for and on, on on the pitch as well. So they'll know they'll be be back as well. And obviously there is due to be another march to, tomorrow as well. And again, you know, we we fall into this category of tomorrow where it'll be on and off the pitch matters to take attention because will the directors turn up, you know, we we saw them turn up against Anfield, so all of a sudden it's okay for them to be but you know they're they on the other side of Stanley Park, so but never boring, to, is it? <laughs> it's, never, it's never boring. It's never boring. No, you're you're right. It's um, it's chaos, isn't it? So, but anyway, well, we'll we'll wrap it up here. I think we've covered the main issues. We'll finish with score predictions. Um, go on, Matt. I'll defer to you first. Where are you going?
0: I'm going one nil again. Um, yeah, you do think. I'm going to go and no and I'm from a set piece again keep up the set piece goal run Go at Gullison and I fancy to, to just frustrate Leeds a little bit I think they'll have a lot of the ball and put us under a bit of pressure but I think we'll just nick it one
1: yeah I, I'm I'm going to contrary to absolutely everything that I've said about Evans trying to score goals I'm going to go I'm going to go 2-0 Everton hugely optimistic but i think if everton can if everton can get an early goal if everton if everton can take the lead in this match i don't think they lose it um and i think it's got the chance it's got the i think it could be a you know a really feisty affair and all that but i think if everton can get the lead one i don't think they lose it and two i think leeds might lose their heads and you know i'm almost going for like some sort of mad bet builder here where it's like you know everton win to take the lead Leeds have, you know, it descends into fast. Leeds get a player sent off. Everton get a late. Yeah. Yeah. And that's,
0: and that's
1: it. And, and some, you know, Deitch is there just, <laughs> you know, fish pumping into the fans at the end as, I don't know, Ellis Sims puts in, puts in the back of the net or something, something like that. So we've oh, got to be positive now, haven't we? So, but I think, I think one thing that is clear, I think tomorrow is we'll learn a lot. We'll learn a lot about, what this team is truly capable of going into the last few months of the season and also where Deitch's plans and approach going into the next few months is going to look because as I say we know Dominic Calvary isn't going to be available and we know that it's it's becoming clear that Evan can't plan for a future with Dominic Calvary. And that's not to say that he won't come back and find fitness and form and fire everton to you know mid table or whatever, but it's clear that they're gonna have to start having a plan. Plan B is probably gonna have to start coming becoming plan A for the next few weeks. And I'm interested to see what that represents for Sean Deitch.
0: Yeah, stop in.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well well, thanks so much for joining us, everyone. You obviously will be, be following the events if you keep an eye on the Echo website. On, on Saturday, we'll have all the the latest match updates, analysis and everything going on across the weekend. And we'll be back with you on Monday to discuss what will hopefully be a three points that fills us all with a lot more hope, confidence, reassurance, pulls Everton out of the relegation zone and starts seeing us climb in towards mid-table. Thanks so much for joining us.
0: You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast
1: from the Liverpool Echo.